0: Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopodik, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. Hi, Curtis. Hello. We are talking today to Damon Shadrach, who is a health and safety environmental regional manager, and his kind of specialty for the past 15 years has been working with powered industrial trucks.
1: Yeah, he does a lot of training and he's actually been able to draw some insights looking at different companies' training policies and and these powered trucks to the overall safety culture of the companies as well. So it's a pretty good insight that we want you guys to take a listen for.
0: So we're going to jump right into the this interview with him. So I appreciate your time with us today, Damon. And when the topic was presented to have you on the podcast, I thought it was incredibly specific. What led you to have so much passion specifically about forklift training? Yeah, I
2: started my safety career over 15 years ago when I was working for Dow Chemical. I was in a technical support role and I was working on a highly toxic chemical fumigant used for insect control. And what that opportunity did for me is it opened a door for a full-time safety job, Uh, worked as a lab safety manager at their global research and development center in Indianapolis. And really through the full-time safety position, I had a chance really to look at when training is done right and how it can change people's lives, not only on the job, but off. And with that, it was amazing to take an employee and within one hour, they've maybe never driven a forklift truck. They can become world-class drivers and very safe operators of the equipment in that short period of time.
0: When you came into that position, did you find that you had resources available to help you with that that you didn't know about? Or is there a former experience you brought to the table to improve the training that was already needed?
2: I would say in that role, Dow Chemical, they do so many things at a internal world-class level. So if it's uh, powered industrial truck training, if it's personal protective equipment training, it's done in a corporate global consistent manner and everything related to that not only references the OSHA standard, but it also reflects what's required in other parts of the world. So it's well thought out, it's well presented, and the outcome is Everybody should be doing the same thing and the tools and resources to get everybody in compliance is there. And so the expectation is everybody's going to work safely. So it was a great place to have a jumping on or jumping in opportunity into my safety career.
0: So what are some of those steps that are needed and just have to be in there to make a good lift training? Yeah. And
2: I'd actually reframe the question around what are the elements of a good powered and industrial truck program. And so it really starts with the powered industrial truck standard 1910 178. And knowing what's in there and what's expected helps an employer write a program around that standard and around the type of powered industrial trucks that they'll be using in the environment in which they'll be operated. So bringing all three of those elements together will inform employees, get them properly trained and competent to operate the equipment. And then there may be special attachments that need to be added to that fork truck in order to pick up certain containers, move things around, and all of those elements need to come into your powered industrial truck program.
0: And so when you're talking about powered industrial trucks, you're also including then the powered forklift drivers, as well as the pallet jack, electric pallet jack. So it's more than just that one type, but any type of powered vehicle that's being used on site. So Cushman and things like that, correct?
2: That is correct. As well as the luggage and cargo handlers you see at the airport, those are also under the powered industrial truck standard. So Even though I can drive a counterbalance warehouse fork truck, I would need training to go to the airport and drive that equipment because it can do special maneuvers. That's why it's really got to be training and the whole program around the equipment and the environment the drivers will be placed in.
1: Do you feel that a company, or, or I guess there's a certain type or any certain qualities that a company should look for in an employee that will be driving one of these powered vehicles?
2: Yeah, looking for an employee that has a conscientious nature that uh, they don't just jump on the truck and and start their operation. They'll look it over, make sure the appropriate maintenance, if it's the beginning of the shift, beginning of the day, they're doing that pre-trip inspection, making sure there's no leaks, it was not damaged from the previous driver, the previous shift. And then the employer should be looking at, okay, is this employee aware of not only the operation of the truck, but pedestrians that may be in that work area aware of other trucks coming and going, all of those things you can really see in the initial training and driving evaluation. So those are the elements an employer should look for.
0: What is your interaction with programs nowadays? Are you assessing them or are you helping to create them from scratch? What I find is I've been in a variety of different organizations over my career
2: and some organizations have established written programs that are on the books that everybody knows that they're there and maybe they look at every once in a while. And bringing those to full life and compliance is a role I've been in several times where we need to make sure that everybody's had evaluations as the new company is now here. We've hired people from outside the organization. So getting everybody on the same competency stage I've been in that role. And other organizations, they had no written procedure. So having that program developed from scratch, looking at the equipment we had in place, I've been in both of these capacities where we got to bring everybody together operating on the same sheet of music. And then it takes a while to get through that exercise. But once we're there, we can all enjoy safe operations and going home at the end of the day.
0: So it sounds like you've seen it from every angle with when it comes to training. What are some of your tips that you would want to give to companies to make sure that they have this to make the most successful training possible to make their employees understand the importance of the safety and well as to remember the safe habits they need to have?
2: Having a written program is really important. If there is a forklift truck accident, And OSHA is called out, they'll be looking at that written program. So, many states have some sort of occupational health program that's really not compliance, but assistance related, and they can offer a template program. So, you basically fill in the specifics for your business and what equipment you have and what environment, and that becomes your company's written program. So, that's tip number one. And then not only to have that as a written program, bring it into, this is what we're going to be evaluating, uh, a checklist around what is expected in that standard. For example, there may be times where that operator has to operate and drive, but the height of the load, they can't see around it. So the majority of their operation is going to be done in reverse. So they can look in the mirrors. They can look over their shoulder and not back over anyone or anything. So making it credible, making it real are the elements that make it effective for the employer and the employee.
1: In this training, and and obviously people have to actually practice um, driving these machines, what is a good way or how can they get realistic practice in a safe environment? Do you have practice areas? Do you have them out on the floor? What is your main focus there?
2: I would approach it and plan it just like you're training a a teenage driver at your home. You're not going to pick the busy grocery store parking lot. You're going to go instead, the middle of the week, maybe some church parking lot. And so the business will probably have some sort of parking lot area that may not get a lot of parking. That's going to be the area I'd pick. Pick a time of the day where there's not constant loading and unloading. So there's really few distractions around that new driver. And when they have mastered the basic driving the truck forward in reverse, and then you add, okay, I want you to move this load from here to there, pick loads they can see over. Pick loads that uh, if they get a little too close to something, it's just an empty pallet, an empty container, an empty crate, and there's not going to be real damage if they scrape up against something.
1: That's a great analogy as far as setting it up like your new driver would. I think a lot of us can definitely relate relate to that analogy. So that is a good one there. Have you found that you can never have too much training? People start overthinking things.
2: Well, I believe that truck training is one thing that everybody has to have. So you're really never done. The Monday morning you hire somebody new, they need to have that training within the first week or so of their employment before they operate a fork truck. And then for the experienced drivers, I really believe as a driving instructor, your job is never done auditing the driving behaviors as well as truck maintenance. So uh, part of the standard is you're going to do a basic inspection to make sure the truck is, is functional and ready. Some organizations have checklists, and they keep that either where they park the truck or behind the seat in the truck. And auditing, yes, this is part of what we talked about during training, are we actually doing that? And are we catching things that are safety issues that uh, need to be corrected that may lead to injuries or it may lead to a leak or a spill of hydraulic fluid that uh, we should have caught the day before?
0: Is there a simpler model that you found that for keeping track of all that?
2: Yeah, I've seen it done a couple of different ways. I mean, that four-truck maintenance record is, is really important. And it can either be in a, like a three ring binder behind the seat. If the truck is parked under cover at night or uh, outdoors, so that works very effectively. If that truck is maybe in an outdoor dusty environment and keeping the records actually on board don't make sense. I've seen companies, they'll get like a small wall cabinet and the truck is always parked in the same spot. It's the start of a new day. They'll take out the checklist from the cabinet, perform the inspection, put it back in the cabinet. And when you get everybody on that same, okay, this is how we do it at this organization, it becomes part of the expectation, part of, okay, at eight o'clock in the morning, as we jump on uh, the truck, we don't do that right away. We make sure it's uh, inspected and ready for use.
0: So what would you say some of the common mistakes, you know, two or three common mistakes that are made because of lack of training,
2: yeah, I would say that organizations hire experienced people and the, the mistake may be bringing somebody on and they've operated a forklift truck at their previous employer and they come here and the environment may be radically different. The area they worked at before, maybe it was an outside yard and they've got different rough terrain forklifts trucks for that env- environment. And then they're working in a warehouse and they've got a different style of counterbalance fork trucks really made for a concrete floor. So that's a common mistake employers make. And the other would be what type of attachments can go on the forks of that truck. So that may not seem like a big thing, but in San Antonio this summer, there was a young man, July 4th, that actually died and was crushed by a fork truck. And while the investigation is not complete, it appears that he was never trained on that specific type of attachment, and it was a special attachment meant for picking up granite slabs. And even though he wasn't carrying a granite slab in the middle of the night when the accident occurred, just the center of gravity was pushed forward far enough when he was driving near the edge of a uh, Kalici road. It was enough to cause that truck to tip over. Wasn't trained on wearing a seat belt. So many of these contributing causes can lead to fatal mistakes for employees. And the other part is uh, sometimes an employer may have very specific expectations in their policies. So I worked at a place where it was, very, uh, it was a very small footprint, a lot of truck and heavy equipment activity. And there were certain areas, if you were operating a fork truck and maybe carrying some, carrying a load, You had to have a spotter walk alongside you and they had to have an orange flag and an air horn to tell, hey, wait, if you're coming down this tight alley, you need to stop. You need to be aware we got a heavy fork truck coming through. So those are the common mistakes. If people think, hey, we can just hire anybody off the street, put them in our fork truck and it's going to be good. These are examples where fatal mistakes can happen
1: on top of that any additional steps that aren't necessarily a mandatory part of the training but would be helpful for people to consider
2: I think it's important to know that not every day is going to be a nice sunny day to operate fork truck. so it's important to remember and give training around when heavy rains may happen that may soften the roads or construction sites and where the day before maybe you're using a telehandler fork truck to lift supplies to the top of that commercial building the following day after heavy rain, it may not be the best spot where you made that operation the day before. They may have to pick another location. There may be areas that are hard packed ground that if there's a lot of truck traffic in a short period of time can really disturb that soil and cause a fork truck to get stuck or tip over. And then uh, it's important to train on night operations If you're not aware of overhead power lines at night, you probably see them during the day, but these are the kind of things we need to think three-dimensional, that 360 degree awareness around the truck into that driver's mind as they're making maneuvers and operations.
1: Hey everyone, sorry for the interruption, but talking with safety people brings up the good question. Have you ever thought that your company needs a compliance easy button? Do you think that you guys would pass an on-site safety inspection today? Are you guys at risk for any OSHA, DOT, or EPA violations? If some of these questions are making you a little easy, Fit for Work has got the answer for you. Head on over to our website, wellworkforce.com. We've got a safety page, so go ahead and click on that. As you scroll down, there's a connect with us button. Hit that and we'll be sure to help you out with any of your safety issues that you may feel you need assistance
0: with. So making sure that they can appreciate that whatever environment they get trained on is not going to be what they're going to see all the time. So it sounds like you've been able to also you know, view a lot of different companies' operations. So what does the quality of the forklift training tell you about a company?
2: It tells me about a lot of things about other programs and their organization. So you can quickly walk around a busy warehouse and look very quickly. The operator's wearing their seatbelts. I mean, that's the most obvious thing. What is the condition of the truck? Is the paint on the rear end of it all scratched up? If We have many close calls of stationary objects. Then you go beyond there is the truck and reverse operations is the backup alarm operating. That's a very common safety feature. However, that tells me about other things that may be neglected in that organization. Are they operating a truck that maybe the horn on the steering wheel is not working? And what's that caused by? So, I mean, there's there's things that you can tell an organization has a strong safety culture versus a production, just get it done mentality. And many drivers, oh yeah, we would just let that truck, we'd park it outside, we'd give it minimal maintenance. And we would just take care of other parts of the business. You look at other parts of the business and they're not running as smoothly as you'd expect. So uh, I find a very strong correlation between strong safety culture, taking care of people and injury prevention all the way around.
1: Those are great observations because as an outside perspective, I would think that those would be things that you would check every day. But, you know, I can see how companies fall right into the production thing and get it done and you hop on and and you get going throughout your day. So definitely good observations and probably conclusions as well that you can make regarding the condition of the trucks. Where do these forklift accidents or, or powered vehicle accidents fall within OSHA's violation list?
2: Consistently, powered industrial truck violations are always in the top 10. For 2018, it was number seven on the list.
1: Definitely something people need to be paying attention to and and calling attention to their training. And then why do you think that this is so consistent?
2: Powered industrial trucks are used in every industry. It doesn't matter if we're talking general industry, construction. It's really amazing what can be done with these trucks. So if a home is being built and they need to put supplies through a second floor rough opening window, a powered industrial truck is the equipment you needed to do that. Uh, If it's you order something from a, a online retailer that came to your home using a powered industrial truck somewhere in that distribution warehouse. So powered industrial trucks really make our economy work. They help us move heavy objects into place, cargo it's just a universal tool, and it can be a valuable tool on any job site if you safely Lane correctly.
0: When it comes to retraining, do you find that there's a different way you have to approach employees who have just gotten in an accident and need retraining compared to those who have been away from it from a certain period of time? Do those type of people need the same type of training, or do you need to skew that training differently for the different groups?
2: Yeah. So if it's a three-year refresher training, everybody needs to look at the same written program. And if that's delivered some online vehicle, that's everybody should see that same refresher training. However, when you're taking an employee that just had a recent accident and you've done the root cause investigation, well, were they not aware that for that type of attachment they had on the forks and they were moving a 55-gallon drum, and they didn't quite calculate and look up as they went through a doorway and they had a collision there. Of course, you want to make sure that they get plenty of retraining around that particular operation. And then as you have that type of incident within your organization, everybody going through refresher training should have the driving evaluation, and then you're looking at overhead objects. You're looking at all of the attachments that are on the yard that could be used with the fork trucks. It really challenges the fork truck instructor to make sure, are we making this realistic? Are we asking them to perform skills and tasks that uh, are consistent of what they're doing on the job? If they're having to load trucks and it's a scenario where we're loading them outdoors, do we have a scenario where we can evaluate that? So it may be we park a trailer and they get an opportunity to load totes in the back of that that trailer. Everybody gets a chance to practice their skills. People that may not be driving a truck every day, like my, like I am, I will give them extra time if they need extra effort to get around tight maneuvering areas. This is
0: not a timed event. You have all the time you need to perform this safely. Have you ever found that there's people that should not be doing this type of, of work, or is it? one of the things where you feel anybody can learn how to use these tools? Yeah, I would
2: say that's more of a professional judgment. If you look over a short period of time, multiple incidents, and it may not be all for truck incidents. It may be pre-task analysis. The employee's not thinking through everything they need to do. As an employer and supervisor, you may have to make the call, okay, this type of work environment Is not the best for you because it may be the economy is really tight and qualified skilled employees are hard to find. And so you make a gamble on somebody and they may have worked out fine at a simple warehouse or manufacturing location and you put them in a completely different industry and it may not be a good fit as far as the skills they have and just the overall safety conscious decision making they have it may not work out after multiple incidents with the same employee
0: and it sounds like the employer as the one that's going to be communicating with OSHA that they have that final judgment and they have the authority to do so be responsible for that safety and making that call is not a it's kind of like driving where it's a it's a privilege to perform that task it's not a right and where everybody has to be able to
2: yeah that is so true and what OSHA expects and they actually say in their standard the employer shall ensure that each powered industrial truck operator is competent to operate the truck safely, as demonstrated by their successful completion of training evaluation. So after you've done everything as an employer, you may reach the point where, wow, that driver, maybe some of their automobile driving behaviors are showing up here in the warehouse. All right. So this may not be a good fit.
0: So last question Do you find forklift accident videos on YouTube funny or cringeworthy?
1: (laughs) We usually start with these types of questions, Curtis.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they definitely cause me to cringe. I look at some of the behaviors and just like one degree up or down or left or right can mean the difference between what you're seeing that's probably okay or they just got by versus a major incident.
0: Yeah, and I think... Because of videos like that, sometimes people lose sight of the the seriousness, and they, I mean, lives are at stake, and long term injuries really do occur in those accidents that can be very easy to neglect if you, especially if you've never been in that environment. So, as somebody who works on this, it's, it's definitely more cringeworthy to see those type of things happen. Very true. Well, thank you for your time. Any other uh, final insights that you have that you would like to share with our our listeners? Anything that you wanted to bring up that we may not have asked?
2: Yeah, I just think it takes time to build a strong safety culture. So if you're picking powered industrial trucks, because that's been an area that you know you need to improve, work on it. It may take a year to get everybody in your program up to the level, and that's great. And then move on to the next program, keep improving, keep preventing injuries. It is worth the journey. So
0: kind of sum it all up. Great recommendations. Some of those basics that are needed is to have a written program, make it credible and real to the job. Making sure you're hiring people that have experience, but still address them to your specific location by addressing the different attachments they're going to be using and make sure they know those very specific policies and always consider that change in environments. These are great tips that I know our audience is going to benefit from because it's one of the things that I know Amber and I, we don't drive the trucks, but we see them and we're around them. And having that appreciation to know people are quality trained makes us feel safer and hopefully them as well. That's a good summary. All right. You have a wonderful day. And thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for your time. Well, that was a fun conversation getting to know Damon and his experience. What were some of those highlights for you?
1: You know, Curtis, the thing that I really liked, and I, I know I highlighted it during our interview too, was the fact that he compared training and, and driver training. To actually teaching a teenager how to drive and how, you know, you kind of do that more in a stepwise process. It's really true. If any of you, one, remember back to your teenage driving years, have recently taught someone, or maybe like you, Curtis, have some younger kids and maybe dreading that moment. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something we can all relate to. Uh, it's very true. You don't go to that busy grocery store parking lot. You take them out to the church parking lot or, or some some kind of remote place to get the feel of the car down and get the feel of the different mechanics and skill that it takes. And then slowly build upon that. Eventually you're driving on the freeway. Eventually you are, you know, maneuvering into those tighter parking spots. So being able to look at it from that perspective. I think it, at least for me, can make it a much more stepwise process.
0: Definitely, and not trying to put people into situations too early. That that time constraint can be such a powerfully negative motivation that can lead to so many issues. For sure. And if you are able to put people in those situations where you know some type of environment where it's it's safer, and then slowly building them in, it's worth the investment because. When bad things happen with powered industrial trucks, they're usually really, really bad. And and while my question about you know those videos is is kind of in jest, but there are some deaths occur. You know, a lot of serious issues occur when people are thrown into these situations. So I really like his his idea of training them not just on the equipment but on the environment around the equipment.
1: Yeah, and. As you know, and you mentioned a little bit too, as far as those of us that are out and about on the floor or working around these powered trucks, it's good to know that somebody does have intensive background training, that the company has taken that seriously, not only for their safety, but then also for ours walking around. I mean, I often feel like I'm in the middle of Jurassic Park sometimes (laughs) when I am out there on the floor and I am looking left and right and up and down and waiting for that Velociraptor to come out and get me because you never really know if somebody's paying attention when they're driving those. So being at a company that takes that seriously is, is calming for um, not only the driver, I'm sure, but then also those of us that are uh, working around them as well.
0: Definitely. And so once again, thank you to Damon and his for his time and his insights. And I just want to thank you as the listener for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe to wherever you listen. To get started preventing injuries, visit our website at wellworkforce.com or email us with any questions or comments to podcast at wellworkforce.com and remember prevention improves lives.